It's time for JT the Brick. JT. Woo! Hey, girls. How are you? Wow, I can go in 10 different directions today. Getting to know Raider Nation the way that you see them now, it's just different. JT the Brick. I think it's so important, especially for this new generation of Raider fans. Now we got something. Now we got some guys out of the tub, out of the training room, doing what they needed to do. It calms down the energy of the Raider Nation who's saying, man, a lot of guys have been missing for a while. Where are they? And now they're back. This is this is what the Raiders are all about. And now, here's JT the Brick. And filling in for JT today, here's Harry Ruiz. Our number two Raider Nation of the JT the Brick Show today, October 11th, 2022. A black day for the Silver and Black squad with defeats that keep on piling up in the final minutes of a games where the Raiders aren't able to get a comeback bid completed. They did so plenty of times last year, especially when they needed them the most, closing out the season with a big winning streak to make it into the playoffs, to avoid having a losing record, to have their first double-digit season with wins since 2016. Now this year, those close games, that coin flip ain't going the Raiders' way. It's going in the favor of their opponents. The Raiders, they're learning the hard way with defeats, and they aren't able to figure out ways to avoid losing games. They're figuring out ways to lose games, and that's not the way that you're going to get this team in the direction that you need them to be in, getting wins while they're learning, not putting themselves, digging themselves in a big hole that's going to be difficult to get out of by the end of the season where you're going to be, damn, We're only two wins away from being in a playoff spot or even one. And you're going to be like, can you imagine if we had won that game in Kansas City? If we hadn't blown that 20-point lead against the Cardinals? If we were able to come back against the Tennessee Titans? If we were able to come back against the Chargers? Yes, you look at the point differential right now for the Raiders. It's actually one of the best in in the league between the teams with losing records. But that doesn't count. What counts are the wins and the losses. And the Raiders right now, they only got one win. Out of five games going into their bye week. It's a tough situation they're at. And a lot of people, I see you guys questioning Josh McDaniels and the two-point conversion. This is what the Raiders head coach had to say about why they went for two to take a one-point lead with four and a half minutes left. Just, you know, uh, felt like in that situation, you know, we hadn't, you know, we hadn't really, they had kind of had a lot of momentum offensively, obviously, in the second half. And... Um, just, you know, we had a play that we felt really good about. We thought we would get a look that gave us a shot at it for sure. Uh, we had a chance. We had a fair fight at it. You know, they played it a little bit better than we did and uh, gave ourselves an opportunity to take the lead there and, you know, and then maybe put a little extra pressure on them when they had the ball. You know, nothing more, nothing less. Just trying to be aggressive, trying to win the game. And I know it was four and a half or whatever the time was, but uh, just, you know, our team felt good about it um, and just, you know, felt like that was the right call at the right time. And all the players post-game, of course, they were going to say that they were in favor of going for it in that two-point conversion. They can't say otherwise. They have to have that mindset where they're going for it and they're going to convert it. If they're in there saying, why are we going for two points? Then you know the play ain't going to work for sure. Here, the Raiders, they were inches away from Josh Jacobs being able to get that two-point conversion. And he told Paul Gutierrez, I saw the tweet on social media last night, that he put that one on him because he should have extended the ball. And that made the most sense, especially with it being a two-point conversion. Worst case scenario, it doesn't get through the 
through the end zone and or you got a fumble and the Chiefs recover it, but guess what? It's a two-point conversion, so the only way they can score points is if they run the ball 100 yards and get it into the end zone, which most more than likely ain't going to happen. So Josh could have made a little bit more in that play, but I mean... When you see the stat line for Josh Jacobs and you watch that game and saw him be big in key plays, that was the last guy that you're going to put the blame on in a game like this. He was the reason why you were in it. He was the reason why in the first half, Patrick Mahomes spent a lot of time in the bench. So Josh Jacobs, beast. He's doing great things. We'll hear McDaniels about him in a bit. But first, let's hear McDaniels about playing aggressive. I mean, heck, fourth and one on your 42-yard line in the first quarter, and you go for a long pass to Devontae Adams, a lot of things could have gone wrong, and they didn't. Let's hear Josh McDaniels on playing aggressive. They're very aggressive um, in those situations, just the nature of their defense, Coach Spagnola, uh, their philosophy there. Um, you know, when you, when you choose to go for it in those scenarios, and they really, they really do everything they can in their power to stop you. Uh, and you notice there, there wasn't anybody back there, you know, other than Devontae in the corner. So uh, they brought everybody, you know, and uh, we had a call that we felt like we were able to execute, you know, in that situation. And, um, you know, and, and Derek made a great throw and Tay made a great, you know, catch after running a good route. So um, had to block a lot of people up front, you know, to, to get that done. But again, same mentality, you know, they were they're aggressive. We were trying to be aggressive, too, and um, thought we had an opportunity to make a play. The Raiders responded to Steve Spagnuolo's uh, aggressiveness defensively with aggressiveness offensively, and it worked in big spots and big moments. You go look back at that fourth and one to kick off the game first quarter, and the Raiders got a big 58-yard catch. Then you go over to the final quarter, the Raiders down on the scoreboard, third and six at Kansas City's 48. They go with another long ball. Double coverage, doesn't care. It's Devontae Adams. And he got the ball. He got the big play. Derek Carr, he got the ball to his man, and the Raiders got the points. Now let's figure out ways to be more aggressive with Devontae Adams throughout the game. You were able to find him in key spots, in key moments. And Devontae, he ended up this game with three receptions for 124 yards on seven targets. But his first target in the second half didn't happen until late in the fourth quarter. When you throw the ball to Devontae Adams, good things happen. Yes, three receptions, 124 yards. But you go over to the second quarter where Derek Carr threw two long passes to him and he had he received two defensive pass interferences. That got the Raiders into the one-yard line. That got Josh Jacobs in great, a great spot to get his touchdown to extend the Raiders' lead. It doesn't matter if you end up getting defensive pass interferences or receptions for yards. Just move the damn ball. When you throw it to Devontae Adams, more often than not, you're going to be moving the ball. And that's what the Raiders need to do. We heard about Devontae. We heard about all the players doing their thing. We got to send a special shout out. Josh Jacobs, 21 carries, 154 yards, one touchdown. He averaged 7.3 yards per carry. The longest rush in the game for him, a 37-yarder. Great game. And then you look over at his stats also receiving the ball, and he had a ball. Five receptions, 39 yards. That's over 190 yards production, 193 yards in 26 touches. Back-to-back games where he had record games for him, where he had his career best. And he's definitely going to be in line. If he continues playing this way, he's going to continue to be in line for the bag to get paid. 
is going to be a free agent next year. And here's what Josh McDaniels, what he had to say about Josh Jacobs, the Raiders' starting running back. He's a really good back. You know, he's a really good football player, and he loves football. And, uh, you know, give him a lot of credit. Give our offensive line, our tight ends, you know, um, Jakob, you know, a lot of credit. Uh, they're in there banging away and, and trying to create openings for him, and he, he sees it. Um, and we figured that, you know, if we gave ourselves enough chances to run it against them, that we might have some success. You know what I mean? They're, they're a team that has gotten out in front of some teams, and, you know, you don't really get to run it that much. So I thought being able to keep giving it to them was important, and Josh is the kind of back that just, you know, gets better as the game goes on. So, um, you know, really I'm proud of his effort, you know, and, and uh, you know, we got to start turning some of his performances into Ws. Absolutely. You did turn it against the Broncos. You didn't turn it into a win against the Chiefs. And I hear you, Raider Nation. I read you, Raider Nation. I see you, Raider Nation, when you're saying it was third and one at the Las Vegas 46. Why did you not run the ball with Josh Jacobs? Thing is, there was 51 seconds left. If you run the ball with Jacobs, that means there's a chance that he gets stopped. And then you're on fourth down, and the clock keeps ticking. You can't spike the ball right there. What are you going to do, run it again? Fourth and one, why did you not run the ball with Josh Jacobs? Did you not see Derek Carr get lit up as he was throwing that ball deep when Devontae Adams and Hunter Renfro ended up crashing into each other? More than likely, whoever touched the ball behind the line of scrimmage, if it had been a carry on fourth and one, he was going to get stopped. The Chiefs threw everything. Pressure with seven guys in that play. If they had run the ball, more than likely, Jacobs or whoever had the ball. Derrick Henry, if you put in there Barry Sanders, there was a good chance with all those guys being thrown into into the backfield that they were going to get stopped. We got calls lined up here for you on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM, and we're going to go all the way to L.A. Eddie, how are you? Good. How's it going, man? Just yet uh, Black Monday, as you said earlier. But you know, fans got to realize something, man. Players win the game. Players lose the game. And yesterday, this undisciplined football is what cost us this game. You're going into the half. You got a 20-20-0 lead. Why do you get that type of penalty? You gave them a shot to make a field goal. That's three points. You you don't commit that penalty. If they don't go for the field goal, we win the game. Simple as that. So you guys want to blame the aggressiveness of the coach. and This is what everybody's been asking, right? Don't get conservative. Go for it. Don't bombs. Go. That's what you got Adams for. They did it. Now we're crying because we went for a two-point conversion? Are you kidding me? You got to go to win the game. That's what you're doing. You're playing the Chiefs. You're not playing the Broncos here. You go to play to win the game. Okay? The last play, it just, just what... what what has been happening all year long and why I'm still confident in this team is that they haven't had time to gel in this system. Okay. You saw Adams clearly get pushed. Could have been throwing a flag, but it wasn't. And they, and they ran into each other. Those are things that happen. That's football, but we shouldn't have been in that position. We shouldn't have been in that position because the defense shouldn't have let up. Defense should have held, but they did not How do you let Kelsey just go unopened? In the back end, not touchdown, one, two, three. Then you get to the fourth and you just lose track of them. There's only one player that we're going for. So you, you can complain about them being aggressive. You can complain about, but what you cannot not focus on is the fact that we lost this game because we were un.
discipline. When players are out there, they need to be focused. They need to be they understand that we are the Raiders, and their the flags are going to be tossed just because they're the Raiders. I mean, come on, that holding call on special teams, really? And then the last time you get it called, it's on the same team. I mean, come on, that's why you got to play discipline. But it all isn't lost. No, Mark Davis isn't going to sell the team. Josh McDaniels isn't going to get fired. We just got to write it out, man. That's all we got to do. Raider Nation, stay up. Raiders, baby. There you go. Eddie from L.A. I love that call because that's pretty much what I think. And obviously, there's different points of views. And that's I'm like, look, McDaniels, yeah, he has the same start as Matt Rule over at Carolina who got booted. But for Rule, it was his third year. And they didn't see any improvement with that team. If we're talking in 2024 and the Raiders start the season off 1-4 and four after having a terrible 2022 and 2023, then you might be talking about McDaniels getting the boot. Right now, it's just the start of a new regime. And I've seen these this Raiders team, or well, the Raiders, get their butts kicked like royally, getting ran over teams big time. Go back to those Chiefs games last year. They weren't competitive. The Chiefs just completely demolished the Raiders. This year, the Raiders, they fought there. They were they had a big lead. They let it go. That happens time when you face a good quarterback and when you're not able to stop him and when you're not able to cover the one guy that he's throwing the ball to in the red zone, inside the 10. It's incredible. You look at his stats, my my broadcast partner on the Raiders broadcast, he was like what a great game from start to finish from Travis Kelsey. I was like, well, he only got seven yards for 25, seven catches for 25 yards and four touchdowns. And five of those catches were inside the 10. And he didn't do much besides that. But they delivered in the most important moments. And what were we saying yesterday on the morning tailgate? Shout out to Clay Baker. Big time players do big time plays and big time moments. And they went to their big target up in the red zone in Travis Kelsey. We got Raider Z all the way to the Modesto. Como estas, Raider Z? Hey, man. Thank you for having me on. You know, it's a down, down day. It's, I'm sorry to bring some negativity, but man, two things. First of all, Waller, I mean, come on, man. You know, you got to play. I, I mean, they say it's not severe. Go out there and be a decoy. So, I mean, that, that was so weak. It's just – and that, that goes right to my second point of, as far as Josh McDaniel being a head coach. You know, he's a great offensive coordinator, great man. He has – tell me this year, besides the last – few minutes of the Denver game where we even felt like we're going to win. It's just, it's like hope, hope, hope. The decision-making that this man has made, play calling and time management, and, and it's just, in my opinion, is he's not head coaching material. you got to be a leader of men. You know, Gruden's leader of men, Del Rio leader of men. He's starting to remind me of Art Shell when something bad happens, that just, that blank look on the face. I mean, Where's the emotion? Where's the getting on some people's butts? I mean, it's it's sorry to say, man, it's, it's going to be a rough season, buddy. But thank you for getting me on, man. Absolutely. Thanks. Absolutely. Raiders. Z. shout out all the way to Modesto. And look, I did see Josh McDaniels fired up yesterday in a couple of plays. We saw him fired up when they ended up having that call where the holding happened. He was pissed off at the refs, but he was also pissed off at Malcolm Coons. 
uh, you can't do that, that kind of play. I mean, if you go by the letter of the book, I think it was a penalty. But how many penalties by the letter of the book do you see in every single play? How many holdings that they not call against the Chiefs stopping Max Crosby, which, by the way, he had two sacks. He was able to get up to six sacks. He's tied for the league lead at the moment. A great game by him. He could he could have stayed in Vegas and nobody would have said anything to be with his fiance because they're going to have their baby girl anytime. Nobody would have said anything and we would have respected his decision. He went to Kansas City. He balled out. He had two sacks in the first half, and in the second half, he was being held like crazy. And no calls were made against him. So, I mean, I, I said it early in the, earlier in the show. Both teams, they have reasons to be pissed off at the referees after that game. And Raider Nation, just another day. We've been there, we've done that, and hopefully it doesn't get worse as the season rolls on when you talk about the Zebras. But you got to focus on what you can do on the field. And now the Raiders, they got a bye week. They got to decompress. And then once they come back against the Texans, take care of business. Grimaldi's is hands down my favorite pizza in Las Vegas. Only at Grimaldi's Pizzeria can you get famous New York-style coal-fired brick oven pizza that you crave. Grimaldi's has four locations in the Vegas Valley, Boca Park, the Palazzo, South Rainbow, and in Green Valley. For more, visit Grimaldi'sPizzeria.com. Thank you, Grimaldi's, for being a tremendous partner and generously providing us with the $50 gift cards to give away to our loyal fans. to the JT The Brick Show with today's guest host, Harry Ruiz. We had a play that we felt really good about. We thought we would get a look that gave us a shot at it for sure. Uh, we had a chance. We had a fair fight at it. You know, they played it a little bit better than we did and uh, gave ourselves an opportunity to take the lead there and, you know, and then maybe put a little extra pressure on them when they had the ball. You know, nothing more, nothing less. Just trying to be aggressive, trying to win the game. The Raiders trying and being aggressive in that game last night on Monday Night Football against the Kansas City Chiefs. And unfortunately for the silver and black, for the head co the coaching staff, head coach Josh McDaniels, the front office, general manager Dave Ziegler, when you're aggressive, you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. If you're not aggressive enough, the fans are going to call you out. If you're too aggressive and you don't win, they're going to call you out. It's a lose-lose situation. Raider Nation, you got to understand at times, it's like, I understand why they went for the two-point conversion. They hadn't been able to limit Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs offense in the previous five drives. One field goal to close the first half, and the other four drives, touchdown, 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 touchdown. All of them connecting Mahomes with Travis Kelsey. The thing here is, Josh McDaniels, he has to earn the benefit of the doubt. You look over to Andy Reid, nobody asked Andy Reid in the press conference why he went for the two-point conversion when the Chiefs were up by seven. And why did they not ask it? Because they won and because he has earned the benefit of the doubt. He has made it to the playoffs in every season but one that he has been with the Kansas City Chiefs. He has won six consecutive, consecutive divisional titles. He has made it to the AFC Championship four years in a row playing at home at each and every time. 
He has made it to the Super Bowl twice since 2019, winning one of them. Andy Reid has earned the benefit of the doubt, but he has been with the Chiefs, what, nine years? You look over to Josh McDaniels, he's been with the Raiders five regular season games. I mean, it's crazy. It's crazy what's happening right there with the Raiders. And we got some Raider uh, Derek Carr audio that we can listen to from last night's game. And he was asked if it's frustrating knowing that the Raiders could have been 5-0 and if a couple of plays end up going their way. Um, we didn't earn that, you know. Um, but it's, uh, it, it's hard. <clears throat> um, I've, been a lot, I've been around a lot of new regimes and all that kind of stuff, right? And uh, I think the frustrating part is it takes time to get everyone on the same page. And once you get on the same page, you get the thing rolling and it's churning and it's, it looks great and it's awesome. Um, and we're just, we're right there. Uh, but close doesn't count in this game. And so um, frustrating, it is frustrating. I'm human, you know, going through that again, like seeing, you know, where we were and we got a new regime and all this kind of stuff. But, but I believe in it, you know. I believe in Josh. I believe in our staff. Uh, I believe in our players. We got some good football players. We got good. We do some good things. We just didn't do enough good things today, and uh, you know, it sucks. Uh, what our record is, we've earned that. Um, but I just keep reinforcing that we have a good team. I've been on some teams that aren't as good as this one, and and we're doing the right things. Um, just they made more plays than us at the end. They made more plays than the Raiders at the end of the game, and that's one hundred percent true. And the silver and black. Could coulda shoulda woulda, but at the end of the day, you are what you are, and you have a four a one in four record staring right at you right at your face. What are you gonna do? How are you gonna respond? What is this team going to do going forward in this next stretch of games? The Raiders, they come back home, they got that game against the Texans, and the Texans are not a great team. They actually got one win, just like the Raiders. Only difference is they also have a tie right there that they kicked off the season with. So that's why they got a better winning percentage than the Raiders, but they're still a one-win team. What's next for the Silver and Black? Houston Texans, October 23rd. And then a two-game road trip. They're going to stay out there in the East Coast after playing the Saints on October 30th. And then they'll visit the Jacksonville Jaguars, November 6th. They come back home, taking on the Indianapolis Colts on November 13th. I like the Colts' defense. I think they're a great team. They got great pieces. They can give you a headache. If not, ask Russell Wilson and the Denver Broncos and Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. Their lone defeat this season has come against the Indianapolis Colts. Then two more road games. First, against Russell Wilson and the Broncos, November 20th. And afterwards, Russell Wilson's former team. The Seattle Seahawks on November 27th. And Geno Smith, he's looking good out there in Seattle. He looks comfortable being the starting quarterback. Let's see how he's doing in a couple of weeks when they take on the Raiders on November 27th. Should be a good game, and it's always a hostile environment out there in Seattle. Those fans, the 12s, they always deliver. They're loud. They're proud. And other fans that were loud and proud were last night. The Kansas City Chiefs fans and Derek Carr, here he talks about playing in that kind of hostile environment. Well, I mean, they're just so mean to me. You know, I'm just used to it, you know. 
And, uh, um, you know, it's, what's crazy is I see a lot of Kansas City fans, you know, wherever, Tahoe, here, all that. And they're always, like, so nice to me until that we get to the stadium then they got to be mean for their friends, you know, and, uh, and Twitter. So besides that, I, I have so much respect for this place. Um, you know, and I, I just love the environment. I love the, loud, the loudness. I love the hostileness of it. Um, I don't know. I just enjoy it, you know. Um, you know, it's hard. It makes it hard. Great crowd, great fans, great team. They've had a great team since I've been here. Um, but I don't know. I just, I just have always enjoyed the that hostile kind of feel environment. As a competitor, you kind of, you know, sometimes you, either you don't like it or you like. I, I just happen to like it. So I'm cool with being a hostile environment, with being a fan base that tries to get into your opponent's head. You can curse here and there, but there's a line that you don't cross. And after the. Chiefs ended up receiving that roughing the passer call. Those Chiefs fans, they crossed the line. The Raiders, they're going into the halftime break towards their locker room. They start throwing trash onto the field, onto the team that got that calls in their favor. They, the Raiders didn't ask for the call. We wish we had those calls every single week like Tom Brady, but that happens once in a blue moon for the silver and black. It finally happened. I ain't going to complain about it. But then fans throwing trash on the Raiders? Come on. And then you look over and what Jermaine Illuminor said on social media last night. I'm going to read it. Here's Jermaine Illuminor. Crazy game in a crazy atmosphere. But at the end of the day, we're all human. So for the trash fans shouting out the N-word as we ran into the tunnel for halftime, does that make you feel good about yourself? Seriously, that S is weak AF. And for any of y'all saying this is a baseless accusation, there was a cop right behind me who confirmed he heard the same thing I did. Raider Nation. That, I mean, that shows you the kind of fan base they got out there in Kansas City. And I'm not going to say all of them because you can't ever say everybody, but that, that group of people down there that was throwing trash, and I'll say this, I don't think Max was in the right spot also throwing the trash back at the fans. Yes, it's wrong that the fans threw it at you. You shouldn't throw it back. But throwing trash, calling players the N-word, that's a trash group of people right there that was close to the tunnel. A hostile environment, I'm cool with. Heck, you go to the Coliseum in Oakland a couple of years ago, and that's hostile. Like, the fans would get in your face and they would tell you and scream things at you and do things. And it's like, that's hostile. But being racist, that's a line that you don't cross. Throwing stuff on the field, that's things that you don't do. And if you see people do that, I hope the security people at Arrowhead Stadium were kicking out fans that they saw throw trash onto the field, throw bottles onto the field. I really hope security out there at Arrowhead Stadium did their job because that's completely unacceptable. Hostile environment, we're cool with that. And like you, like you heard, Derek Carr, he likes playing in that kind of environment. That gives you a little bit extra oomph whenever you're on the field and you're like, all right, I want to beat the Chiefs, but I want their fans to be pissed off because we beat the Chiefs. Unfortunately, it didn't happen. The Raiders were close, oh, so close. But they still aren't, I mean, close enough, I was going to say, but they're one point away from tying the game. 
and they weren't able to do so. They did decided not to tie the game, and they're like, "All right, let's put a little bit more pressure on the Chiefs if we convert on these two in this two point conversion." They weren't able to do so, and they ended up being defeated in this game. The Raiders one win, four losses in this 2022 season, and they're setting up. They're setting themselves up for a tough situation down the stretch. The calendar, at least it's not as hard as it was at the beginning of the season. In the first five weeks, they went through five tough teams, most of them playoff teams from last year, three three out of the five, and now they're going over to a way less difficult schedule. Another situation that took over the headlines last night after the game, Devontae Adams, he was running off the field after the Raiders were defeated. He didn't he wasn't observing where he he just knew the general direction he was going to towards the tunnel that led to the Raiders locker room. A camera guy that had some equipment in his hand ended up rocking him. It ended up getting in his face. And he just crashed into him. But the thing is, instead of just crashing into him, he extended his arms and pushed him down. It wasn't a good look. It wasn't a good look at all. And now there's talk about uh, Devontae possibly facing suspension or a fine for shoving a person into the ground. And TMZ Sports, they also said that there's also folks that the... Saying the photographer, he's also alleging assault. And that the injuries are preliminary, though. They're not life, non-life-threatening. It's definitely a situation you don't want to be in. And somebody that's down on the field usually out here at Allegiant Stadium once the game is over is a man I got on the phone right now, Brian Salmon. Brian, when you're down on the field and you see players around you, what do you try to do? You try to avoid getting close to them when they're running, right? <laughs> What's up, H-Town? I appreciate you having me on. But, no, absolutely. I never, ever want to be a guy that ends up on YouTube because I got in front of someone and I got run over and I'm trying to take a picture and – yeah, you, you never want to get close to guys like that, especially after a game when the emotions are high. Like, I, I didn't understand that. Yeah, there's a etiquette that you follow being media when you're on somebody else's court. It's like if a player goes to your studio, they got to keep themselves a little bit to the side unless you call them over to be on the shot. And, I, I mean, I understand it, it was a bad look, but there has to be a little bit more presence of mind of where you're at, and you can't just be running on a football field with gear without noticing what's around you. Yeah, no, I get it. And, I mean, Devontae is one of the coolest dudes out there, and he knew exactly what he did after he did it. He's like, you know, that's my bad. Like, that was, you know what I mean? It wasn't like he went after him. Um, he probably, a lot of times you can't tell if a guy's, you know, either, I don't say meaning you harm or, you know, you just don't re really recognize who the person is at times. So, yeah, that was just an unfortunate situation. I hope, I haven't heard anything today, but I hope that the guy isn't like trying to press charges or do something crazy like that because, 
no harm, no foul, man. Just, you know, get over it. And it shouldn't be an issue. I hope it's not an issue. So here you go, Brian. I know you're out there at the gym right now, and you just got done with sparring. So, uh, I did. <laughs> so that's, I hope you, you won the rounds over there. But the, the situation right now, TMZ Sports is reporting that he did file a police report. The photographer oh pushed by Devontae Adams filed the police report. He's claiming injuries that are non-life-threatening, and that's a situation that we're going to go through right now. But we go from that, which, by the way, I mean, I'll say it. The <laughs> The camera guy, he shouldn't cut off a player as he's heading into the tunnel. But also, Devontae, he shouldn't have shoved him either. No, of course not. I think that from I, I looked at it just a couple times, and I, I just went past it. I wasn't really caring about it. But it looked like the guy's head was down. Like he was just getting up. Or that um, I don't know if he even saw Devontae, honestly, from what I gathered. But I haven't, I've only looked at it like briefly, just like twice. Because, uh, you know, I, I was hoping it wasn't going to be a big deal today. But clearly, we're in a time where everything is going to be blown out of proportion and somebody's looking for a meal ticket, a la Dennis Rodman and that camera guy years and years ago. I don't know if you remember that. Yep. Dennis Rodman. Yeah. So um, hopefully it gets resolved quickly. Yeah, I'm predicting a civil suit, and Devontae's going to have to send some Taco Bell and uh, a free MGM room over to this person to get him off his back. Uh, Brian, Brian Salmon, News 3 Las Vegas, here with us today on Raider Nation Radio. One in four, not where you want to be, even though it was a one-point loss to the Chiefs. Is it all negative in Raider Town? I think so. I, I, honestly, I mean, they're doing what they can as far as the team is concerned. To, you know, to say that, hey, we're the best one in four team in the history of one in four teams. But, you know, you know what Bill Belichick said. Um, or not Bill Belichick, but Bill Parcells said, you are what your record says you are. So regardless of your good one in four team, you're still one in four. Uh, but a few things that the Raiders can kind of lay their hat on right now is the fact that their upcoming schedule is very favorable. Like, very favorable. Like, they could easily win, like, their next five games. You know? But... You have to win one game first. <laughs> you got to yes. win one before you win five. I know I'm bringing some novel concepts to the show. <laughs> but, but uh, yeah, I, I think that, I don't know, I, I think that uh, they should be extremely disappointed. They know they really let another one get away from them. I think once they, they, they finish one game, I think they can reel off a bunch of them, but they got to win one of them first. Absolutely. Brian Salmon, my man, I got to – Go over to a commercial break. I got to thank you first, but I also got to say, shout out for all the coverage that you guys do. You, Jesse, all the crew at News 3 Las Vegas. I went out after the last Raiders home game against the Broncos, and every TV in town that I was at had you guys. And it seemed like at dinner, late at night. So shout out on all the great work that you guys do. I appreciate that, Harry, man. We, we, we work hard. Jesse was just working hard with me sparring a second ago, man. So we work hard. We play hard. Well, we're trying to keep it as tight as we can, my man. Thank you so much. Brian Salmon from News 3 Las Vegas. That's an exclusive. News 3 Las Vegas sports reporters are fighting each other, but in a boxing ring, sparring in a good way. That's the way it should be. Let's go to a break, Raider Nation. We're going to come right back with the man himself, JT the Brick, to hear his thoughts on last night's game. To the JT The Brick Show with today's guest host, Harry Ruiz. 
before, before I answer anything else, I want to apologize to the guy. Some, some guy running off the field, and he ran. Uh, like jumped in front of me. We were coming off the field, and I bumped into him and kind of pushed him, and then he ended up on the ground. So I want to say sorry to him for that because that was just frustration mixed with him running and, and literally just running in front of me. And that was shouldn't have shouldn't responded that way, but that's, that's how I initially responded. So I want to apologize to him for that. There's Devontae Adams' apology last night after the Raiders were defeated by the Kansas City Chiefs 30-29 at at Arrowhead Stadium. A tough defeat, a tough way to go into their bye week with a 1-4 record. And now another storyline that unfortunately we're going to be talking about that's not a positive one for the Silver and Black. And now we have on the line the man, the myth, the legend, JT the Brick. Welcome to your show, my man. Thanks, Harry. Appreciate you stepping in as I'm leaving the Raiders facility. Had a busy morning with our new podcast, Raiders Roundtable, and I just hosted the Raiders press conference show with Eric Allen. And a brutal loss. There's no way to spin it. These are really heartbreaking losses that all Raider fans understand. The Arizona game and the Kansas City game, those are the type of losses that you have maybe once every four or five years. They've had two. Heading into the bye week with Arizona up 20 nothing in Kansas City. And I thought, you know, I wouldn't say they're the better team, but they were the better team for most of last night. But just a couple of mistakes, more than a couple, at critical times. I thought the referees really manipulated that game on both sides, not just saying the Raiders side, on the Chris Jones uh, sack to Derek Carr. And everything fell apart down the stretch. I mean, Devontae doesn't drop balls or juggle balls on the sideline. Devontae and Hunter Renfro in practice, they don't run into each other on game-ending routes. Malcolm Kuntz did not hold. He wasn't holding someone on a fake field goal. On a fake field goal, you hold. If someone beats you, that wasn't the case there. And everything just spirals for this team when it goes bad. 11 penalties for 99 yards, and it should have, could have, would have. They should have won that game. And you could, you could say they should have won that game comfortably at one point, and it didn't happen again. It seemed like everything that could have gone bad for the Raiders did. And part of that is uh, Travis Kelsey. Between the 20s, he had 10 yards on two catches. But he ended up with five catches in the inside the 10-yard line, including four scoring touchdowns. I mean, how are you able to control Travis Kelsey between the 20s, but then when you get inside the 10, there's a play where he's wide open? Well, that's a really important question, and I think I have the answer. The Raiders don't have the players to stop him, and that's what Dave Ziegler's trying to do here. He just took over football operations as the GM. He's trying to plug-and-play players that he's going to keep short-term and then lock up the players that he's going to keep long-term, and we know that. We know the math on those players, but this organization hasn't had anybody to guard him. They haven't. They haven't had elite linebackers. They haven't had elite linebackers that can cover and they don't have great tacklers. And then, you know, Trayvon Merrick is a young player, very young player. And, you know, if you're going to play Kelsey and you're going to try to match up with Kelsey, you can't do it with a player who's been in the league one or two years. Jonathan Abram is not built in that mold to do anything other than hit Kelsey at the line of scrimmage and then hope and pray that someone's going to be behind him, maybe to help out. So they don't have the personnel, in my opinion. Other teams have better personnel to slow down Kelsey because Kelsey doesn't get four touchdowns against other teams. So I think that's going to be, and Raider fans don't want to hear it now, but it's the answer to this question, is to try to do what John Gruden tried to do 
before he resigned, tried to find the players who can match up with the Kansas City Chiefs long-term. Everybody had to match up with the Patriots as they were a dynasty. They didn't have to worry about how to match up with other teams. They had the guys to do it. The Raiders, to take the next step, need more personnel to go along with Max Crosby and the players that they have that they're going to keep in the short term and the long term who can do a better job on that. I mean, they got good players, but they don't have elite players to guard Kelsey, and that's what you need in the league. Extra points. Neither team tried one in their final touchdowns in this game, and uh, everybody's doubting and asking the question, why did Josh McDaniels go for it? Nobody's saying anything about Andy Reid. Nobody asked him in the postgame press conference about it either, and what I'm saying is that Andy Reid, he has earned the benefit of the doubt with all his success that he has had, the only coach with 100-plus wins in multiple teams, and now it what do we do out of this? I mean, I understand why the Raiders did it. Do you, JT? Yeah, I didn't like the call. I said that on the postgame show, and I said it live when it happened. I didn't like the call because there was 427 left in the game. If there was a minute to go in the game, and you said, look, we're just going to try to win the game because we know they're going to get a field goal, then you do it there. But with 427 to go in the game, I think you tie the game up, and then you play. Because, look, let, let's go through that. I just did it with Eric Allen. Say the Raiders get the extra point and they tie it up. Kansas City most likely is going to get into field goal range. That's what they do. Right? That's what they do. That's their identity. They move it against Buffalo for 13 seconds. They moved it against the Raiders with 17 seconds. And I'll get to that play in a minute. But I think they were going to score again at some point. As long as the Raiders had time to get the ball back, I don't care if it was a minute and a half or two minutes, Derek Carr has got to be capable of going downfield and matching him, and he did. Derek made the best throw of the night to Devontae. Devontae, unfortunately, juggled it. That's a physical mistake. He doesn't make many of those. That, that won't happen. It hasn't happened. So that's what I call a fluke, and that goes back to the point we're making about the bad luck, being snake bit, and all of that. They're not getting blown out 41-7. to They're not losing 34-14. to One play here or there has defined this season. And I think that Derek made that throw to Devontae. If Devontae holds on to it, he toe taps, and he's not juggling it. Raiders have first down. They hand it off three times to Josh. Kansas City's got no timeouts left. Carlson kicks a chip shot, and they win the game. And that's what happened last year when the Raiders were winning all their games because they were hitting walk-off field goals, the bomb to Zay Jones to end the game against Lamar Jackson. It's not happening this year. So they're just missing out because of execution, some bad luck, and some outstanding play from some of the other teams there. It's just unfortunate. This is a much better team than one and four. And let me take you back to the point I said about what happened at the end of the half. When Derek Carr was sacked by Chris Jones, that was not roughing the passer. Every Raider fan knew it at the end resort who I was with. The Raiders got a massive break. The Raiders got a massive break and even added points and got a field goal on that. I tweeted live at the time, Get ready. This is going to be a bloodbath. Kansas City is going to come back firing, and they're going to get the calls. Michael Jordan gets the calls. Patrick Mahomes gets the calls. Tom Brady gets the calls. The Raiders don't. And in Arrowhead, with that crowd that was throwing water bottles on the field, those refs, I think, were intimidated. Those refs made some makeup calls, especially against Malcolm Kuntz. And by the way, you know, Teamer can't grab a face mask to add 15 yards, which ended up being a 59-yard field goal, a career high for right the backup, 
if he doesn't grab the face mask there, Kansas City gets no points going into halftime, let alone the seven they got with Kelsey when they came out of halftime. It was just bad football Bad football execution, Harry, at the end of a half because they deferred the kickoff. They got three points, and then they got seven. That's a 10-point swing. Absolutely. And the Raiders, they weren't able to stop the Chiefs' offense after they did so in the first three drives where they had two three-and-outs, the missed field goal for 41 yards from the backup kicker who by the way he's a practice squad kicker the only reason why he's on the Chiefs is because Harrison Butker has a an injured left ankle and that's tough and I loved it what you said right now discipline execution this team needs to be better in both uh, aspects going forward and unfortunately it costs them the possibility of shocking the world out there in Kansas City well, Harry, again, to wrap this up, and I appreciate you hosting today. I'll be back tomorrow, and it's always great hearing you. It's, you just you can't make this stuff up. It happens in sports all the time. I mean, when it happens in baseball and the Cardinals have a 2 nothing lead, first time in 93 years, the Phillies come back. You look at all these crazy stats in sports. They happen all the time. And when they do, they write books about it. They write blogs about it. It's happened twice to the Raiders. Twice, uh, Kyler Murray and Travis Kelsey. And these are great players. They are great elite players in this league. I think the Raiders have very good players. They've made a lot of explosive plays this year. But Darren Waller didn't play most of the game. Hunter Renfro clearly isn't himself yet where he's at his elite level coming back in a rhythm. Devontae, in my opinion, didn't get enough targets. But the one positive with two positives, they found their identity. They found their identity. They're a running team with Josh Jacobs, who had two brilliant games back-to-back. And coming off the bye week, they have winnable games. But now there's no more hoping. They have to win and stack wins against Houston, New Orleans, and Jacksonville. I think if they win two out of those three games, I'm not predicting three wins in a row for anybody, they get two out of three, then I think the rhythm can start, and they can start stacking wins because the schedule opens up for them. But they better be great against Houston at home. They better be great in one or two of those games at New Orleans and Jacksonville. And I think the momentum and them getting healthy could be the optimism here that Raider fans are looking for. But I don't make predictions. This has been some damn tough sledding for this team that's got, I think, good coaches, good players, good scouts. And they're just, they're just struggling. And they've got to catch some breaks. And they've got to play better. And this bye week comes off in the perfect moment. JT, thank you so much for joining the show, man. Thank you, Harry. All the best. There you go. Catch him tomorrow here on Raider Nation Radio from noon to 2. He'll be back, and we'll be able to talk more about Raiders football, what's going on, what this team needs to do to get on the right track. Remember fans, join us all season for Monday Night Football at the Doghouse Saloon Inside Resorts World Las Vegas on the Strip. There's not a bad seat in the Doghouse to watch the game. Plus, there's a sports book on site to place your bets. Enjoy incredible food and drink specials followed by an amazing after party with live entertainment and dueling pianos. Doghouse Saloon at Resorts World, our official home for Monday Night Football. Also, be Be sure to download the Resorts World Las Vegas sports betting app to place your bets anywhere in Las Vegas. Q Myers, your boy Q, he's next here on Raider Nation Radio. I hope you have a better week after this Black Tuesday today, Raider Nation. And we'll be back here with more Raider Talk all day, every day.
Good to go. All right. Travel safely home.